It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. To get this show every day, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can also tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Mets. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me next week on Wednesday at 8 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room. Changing the way we talk sports. It is opening day, Mets fans, and there is a lot to celebrate. Had to re-record the intro to this show because in case you missed it, there's another podcast that went up just before this one, a rapid reaction to the news that Francisco Lindor had signed a 10-year, $341 million contract extension. But this show was meant for opening day. Have had this recorded for some time had Mets historian Brian Wright on, fellow writer for Mets Mirage as well, and we talked about Mets history on opening day. There was another clip of that podcast that went up last Friday, so you can listen to that if you missed that part of our conversation. But this is us going through Mets history in the first two segments, talking about some memorable opening days in our lives as Mets fans and just in Mets history in general. Then in the third segment of the show, you hear us talk about Jacob deGrom, Francisco Lindor, this Mets team, and what's going on heading into the 2021 season. A lot to be excited about as the Mets will play nationally televised game tonight against the Washington Nationals, Max Scherzer versus Jacob deGrom. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing about the Mets at MetsmerizedOnline.com. Here is my conversation about opening day with Brian Wright. Let's go back to some other games here. Uh, 88, Tacoma mentioned because uh, Daryl Strawberry apparently hit a home run off the ceiling and the Mets dominate the uh, Expos uh, 10 to 6. Yeah, I don't know how many home runs they had in that game, but it was a, it was a lot. It might have been an opening day record. Uh, but Strawberry hit two, and the second of which was that, that home run you're talking about. I think it was off. Randy St. Clair, if I'm not mistaken. If you watch it, it just, you ne- you, I mean, it goes out of the picture and it just hits. It would have gone out of the stadium if, if the roof at Olympic Stadium was open. I think they built a roof in 87. So it's, you know, if they just, to, if it's just a few years earlier, I mean, we could have tested that theory. Daryl Strawberry, in, in a nutshell, he could just uh, wow you. And that was, that was a wow. And of course, that turned out to be a pretty good season too. Didn't end in a World Series, but, um, the Mets were a 100-win team, and they kind of showed uh, how, how good their offense could be with that game. I think uh, in the article Tacoma wrote, someone projected the home run would have traveled 539 feet or something ridiculous. So, wow. wow. <laughs> crazy. Uh, so now we got uh, 2000 is an interesting one. I, I just was like, all right, when was the year? I'm, I was pretty sure it was 2000 that the Mets opened in Tokyo 
first game overseas. What do you remember about that game in particular? I I remember waking up early for that game because it was on like Fox. I think they were both on Fox Sports Net or something. And I think I had like, you know, the MLB. And I think there was like some special MLB package or something like that, or maybe not. I don't, I, I do remember watching the game. I know that the first one, so it was a, uh, there were two, it was a two game series, home and home. You know, I put that in air quotes and the Cubs won the first game, if I'm not mistaken, they won that one. And then the second one, um, that was the one where Benny Agbayani, uh, I know we're talking about second games of the season. We'll have, maybe we'll have another podcast, the best second game. <laughs> but Benny Agbayani, it's the grand slam uh, in the 10th inning, uh, top of the 10th inning, because he's the Mets for technically the road team, uh, to really save his position uh, on the roster. And of course, that, that wound up being a big deal. But yeah, I remember just the, just I remember just getting up early to watch it. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, as a, I guess I was 12 or 13, it was a little bit hard to do. Yeah, that's kind of like Jacksonville Jaguars and London vibes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now I have a couple games here that I just pulled off the top of my head from memory. I don't know if you'll have some too. We can get to that in a bit, but the two that I really wanted to talk about 2004, I will never forget the debut of Kaz Matsui. He signs a three year, $20.1 million deal. He's so good. We're moving Reyes off shortstop at the time. First pitch he sees hits a home run, goes three for four, two doubles, three RBIs, draws two walks. The guy got on base every single time, and then he went on to have a 670 OPS for the rest of his Mets career. So I remember that vividly, and I think because I, I live outside the New York area, I think I was on like TBS or something. You get like the Braves broadcasters uh, talking about it, but I I remember like Kazmatsui first at bat home run. I'm like. I think it was his first at bat. It was, it was the first pitch. It was the first pitch. That's right. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, that talk about setting expectation levels. Oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, and on top of that, think about it. his first three seasons, or maybe his, his three seasons with the Mets. Oh four, oh five, oh six. The first game he played in. Now he, oh six, he didn't play for like the first month. He was hurt. But 04, 05, 06, he hit a home run. I think 06, he hit an inside the park home run, if I'm not mistaken. But he had a home run in every first game of his respective seasons. But that 2004, I remember that. I said, oh, my gosh, we have our new shortstop, Jose Reyes. He's a second baseman. And, you know, you know, turned, that turned out to be uh, false advertising, I guess. Or I guess our you know, expectations were way too high. But I remember that vividly, going over the center field fence. That's crazy. And then you had the other one I wanted to talk about, which is Colin Cowgill. I remember this one. Uh, you know, he had such a good spring. Is he going to be like an Angel Pagan type guy who just is kind of a journeyman and breaks out with the Mets? He had 303 in the spring with a 378 on base percentage, a 591 slugging percentage. Opening day, he hits a grand slam. First time in 18 years, I believe, is uh, what I found here that uh, the Mets hit a grand slam on opening day. So, yeah, I mean, I remember Colin Calgill and we're like, is he the next center fielder? And he was off the team in like a month. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, just like the Mets themselves. Y- you know, these opening day stats are just so random. And, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, I, the fact that he can hit you know, Colin Calgill, can hit a, home run, a grand slam on opening day, just happened to be that day. And I guess added to that, the fact that he did so well in spring training kind of, Need everyone think, oh, okay, maybe he's our center fielder. And, and you know, it's, spring training is a lot different from the regular season. I don't have to tell you or anybody else that. 
We will have more of this opening day special in just a minute, but this episode is brought to you by Locker Room, and Locker Room is the first social audio platform made just for you sports fans. It is an app that is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting Locker Rooms for Locked On Mets once a week, so you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. All you have to do is go download the free Locker Room app, which is currently available on all iOS devices, and then from there, be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Then you can follow me at FinkelsteinRyan, which is the same as my Twitter handle, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you don't want to miss it. I'm planning again to continue at 8 o'clock Wednesday night. So once the games start, you can watch a game with me. We can talk about what's going on in the field. You can ask me questions. I can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on the Mets. So I will see you there at Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money that you can then use for other important things like your mortgage or food. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, maybe even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? RockAuto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. They have everything you could want from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks and have it delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and make sure you write locked on in their how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Hosted by Peter Bukowski, Locked On Today is a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes by subscribing to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Is there any other opening days that we haven't talked about that, that are come, come to mind for you? Yeah, two that I, uh, I guess three that I think of. I'll go, I guess, in most recent. For me personally, I was at opening day in, in D.C. in 2019, which actually turned out to be the debut for Pete Alonso. Uh, and Jacob DeGrom started, of, you know, Robinson Cano had a big game. <laughs> so that was a fun one to be at. It was a really nice day. Going back, I remember 2012, um, we talked about Gary Carter. Uh, this was the first game after Gary Carter passed away, and his uh, family was there throughout the first pitch, and they had the the, the kid eight banner in left, uh, it was a left center field, and they all wore the patches. So that was really, uh, it was emotional, but it was a, a great to see uh, the Carter family and them, them give him uh, that honor at least, and we'll see if he, his numbers retire down the line. I remember pretty well 2006, probably because of the way the year turned out uh, and the expectations were so high as well for that club. I kind of had the feeling that that was a team that could win the division. It certain, certainly did. 
I remember it well enough to remember that we won. I'm trying to uh, remember the, the game itself. I don't, I don't remember too much about it, but I just remember it being a victory and, and being hopefully the first step to thinking would be the World Series, but oh well. Another one that I think of is 2001. And I'm just I'm rattling these off. 2001, I think Robin Ventura, I know Robin Ventura hit a game-winning home run in the 10th inning. And if I'm not mistaken, it was off uh, our good friend, John Rocker. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope you are right. <laughs> we'll just I, I pretend you're right, even if you I'm are. actually, as we're talking, I'm looking on baseball reference. It wasn't. It was against Kerry Leitenberg. Uh, but Rocker did pitch, and he – so this is what I was thinking. As I said, didn't Ventura hit two home runs? And he did. He hit one in the top of the eighth off Rocker, a two-run homer. And then he hit a two-run homer – or yeah, it was a two-run homer uh, off Kerry Leitenberg in the top of the tenth. And that was, I mean, I guess still to this day, the Mets have a lot of trouble with the Braves, but especially so in the late 90s, early 2000s. I mean, the Braves owned them and especially at Turner Field. And that game was at Turner Field. So that was a, that was a nice feeling to, to know that they could at least uh, kind of avenge, avenge the Braves on that day. And another one I think of is 1998. I believe that game, that game was scoreless into the 14th. It was against the Phillies. And Alberto Castillo, it was like, it was also, by the way, a really like an unseasonably warm day. I was not there, but I, I remember being unseasonably warm and Alberto Castillo, backup catcher, pre Mike Piazza, uh, got the game winning single in I think the 14th to end the scoreless route. <laughs> so those are the ones I'm, this is just off the top of my head. I'm thinking, I think of opening day games. Those are the ones I think of. Well, there's a lot for me to unpack there. The first I got to say is you're kind of uh, retracing my childhood a bit, talking about Ventura, because, I mean, that you said it was 2001, he hit those two home runs. And that mm-hmm. was obviously a game that I would have watched at the time. I would have been, I guess, either six or seven, or I guess probably six. And Ventura was like my favorite player. When you talk about, like, obviously you love Mike Piazza and David Wright, and, and you're always going to love the best player. When you talk about kind of, the, the, I mean, not he was a role player, but, you know, not that top guy. Ventura was the first one for me that I just loved as a kid. I've mm-hmm. told the story before on this show. I, I was in a laundromat with my dad when I found he got traded to the Yankees. And he always tells a story like I lost it crying because Ventura <laughs> was gone into the Yankees. But yeah, that, that's definitely interesting. Now I'm thinking maybe that's where I started to uh, love Ventura a lot, you know, hitting those home runs on an opening day. Another interesting thing from that, is you talk about the the day after, you know, or the first opening day since Carter passed. I hope this year, and I'm sure they will, the Mets honor Tom Seaver on opening day. Cause I think, you know, last year, even though that game was really special to watch, it just felt off to not have any fans there. You know, even though we had such a, an exciting end to it and everything else, I, I hope now that we've learned today, as you know, we're recording this on, on Thursday, that there's going to be 20% capacity in the stadium. We will have Mets fans. I hope the Mets do honor Seaver in some way. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And it's uh, great to hear that they'll be, uh, as we're hearing, you know, just a few hours before recording this, that's 20%. Um, that would be a great idea. And I love the fact that the patch, um, not only is it a patch on the, on, on the right sleeve, as you see me, I point to my left sleeve, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> on the right sleeve. Uh, and not only is it there, but it's also in orange and blue. I understood why it was in, in black last year, which was still a nice tribute, but I love how it stands out 
uh, similar to how Carter's, or um, I'm sorry, Tom Seaver stood out for this organization. So I, 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 I'm with you. I think, I hope they do that. Yeah. And I think kind of talking about Seaver and I don't know, do you know off the top of your head uh, how many opening days in a row Seaver started? Oh, in a row. Or I guess not, or maybe in general. Did you have any idea how many how many he started across his Mets career? I thought, uh, I thought he started eleven. I thought he started a oh, um, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, he did. Okay, so Seaver did have eleven. He has the record for most overall. He had sixteen. Eleven were with the Mets. Three for the Reds and two for the White Sox. Wow. Uh, so I guess he had, he must've had uh, 10 in a row and then 83. Um, so it's because uh, 68, he started opening day because 67, he pitched the second game of the season. In just a minute, you will hear me and Brian kind of switch the conversation up and talk about this current Mets team that we are all excited to watch later on tonight for opening days. The Mets take on the nationals. But if you want to bet on that game, and Jacob DeGrom to pitch a gem, go to Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football's been over, but we had the NBA, the last of the college basketball tournament, and the NHL in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. With real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, Bet Online is you covered for all the new scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code locked on. Again, that's promo code locked on to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. We have been telling you about Built Bar for some time because it's the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bars come low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, and they all taste amazing as they come covered in 100% chocolate. But right now, it is time to find out which Built Bar is best because it is Built Bar Madness. But I got to say, I am devastated because I learned that the Cookies and Cream Bar, my favorite, lost to Cookie Dough Chunk. And as I'm recording this, I don't know if Mint Brownie survived versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. If it did, the winner of that matchup takes on my now rival cookie dough chunk which is a delicious bar i've had it it's good i just like cookies and cream better but i am voting in spite for either mint brownie or coconut brownie chunk whichever one survives that matchup and they're going again against cookie dough chunk if you want to vote go to builtbar.com or to bar underscore built on twitter to vote on your favorites remember to use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That brings me to today with Jacob DeGrom because we had this long stretch with the Mets where, you know, Dylan G, I think, got one of the opening day. I mean, like, you know, it, it really was kind of passed around. Harvey got one. I think Syndergaard got one. And this is, I think, three in a row now for DeGrom. And, you know, assuming health, he shouldn't give up that spot for some time now. So what is it like to kind of have a pitcher like that again that, might start opening day hopefully for a decade in a row. It's it's so, such a good uh, bit of security um, because you always know who the ace is, uh, and, and who knows if, if how long Degrom goes as far as being the opening day starter or at least the ace on the staff. 
Uh, but it's good to have that. I mean, I remember like Bartolo Colon started opening day, I think in maybe 2015. And you, and you mentioned Dylan G. And we had like a, just a rotating group of pitchers uh, who would get the opening day start and, and Noah Syndergaard as well. I think he did two, day, two years in a row. But it's just, it's just good to have that anchor on the staff because it's a guy that all the other pitchers can, can shoot for as far as like trying to raise their game as well. I think that Jacob DeGrom makes everyone better because he's trying to get better. I mean, three seasons in a row, two of which were Cy Young Award seasons. The other was pretty close uh, in a shortened year. And I mean, he's throwing harder and he's throwing 102 miles an hour in spring training. Uh, Obviously he's not settling and hopefully that rubs off on, on the others on the staff. It's just ridiculous to watch this dude. I mean, you know, I think especially, you know, for us, you know, we, we've heard about these pitchers, you know, Seaver, Gooden, and all the great pitchers that have come through for the Mets. But for me personally, to be at an age right now where I can fully appreciate it and watch him go out every fifth day and watch his craft and watch him evolve and see the way he just continues to attack hitters. And it also seems like, you know, there was a DeGrom at one point that was a bulldog, and he still is that. But to see him at times be able to flash a smile – on the mound, you're also kind of seeing that he knows he's on top of his game. He's in complete command out there. And, you know, when a Wilmer Flores comes up, he can toy around with one of those former teammates and have some fun on the mound and then still go back to being the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, no, I think uh, DeGrom is a great influence on the rest of the team, not only the rest of the pitchers, but the rest of the team. Uh, and I'm like you, I, I was uh, certainly not old enough to have watched Seaver in person and was I'm barely old enough to ever seen Dwight Gooden pitch as the later years, certainly not as his prime with the Mets. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm certainly appreciating every Jacob DeGrom uh, start uh, for a little, as long as it goes. I've said this before. I mean, of the, the crop of pitchers that came up through the Mets system uh, in 20, what was it? 2013, 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, you know, we had Matt Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, Zach Wheeler, uh, Steven Matz, Rafael Montero was uh, not exactly a, a, a success. We had all those come through and the guy who stands out above them all and is the next closest thing to Tom Seaver. It winds up being Jacob deGrom. I remember his first start against the Yankees in May. I think they wanted to make him a reliever. I, I like, yeah, it was just, and I was just like, who's this Jacob deGrom guy? And you talked about him being a bulldog. The moment that sealed it for me that I that I love Jacob Degrom was that uh, game against the Dodgers, Game Five of the NLC of NLDS in 2015, uh, when he didn't have it, clearly didn't have it, and he basically kept the Dodgers. He limited the Dodgers to two runs, allowed uh, the Mets to not only tie the game but win in a Danny Murphy uh, home run. Um, that was the moment I was like, you know, this guy, this guy is. The, the, if he's not the ace of our team, he's, he's, he's part of the future of this franchise. So that was when I knew uh, of all those young pitchers, he was my favorite. Yeah, he was definitely cut from a different cloth. And I remember, you know, at the time, it was like, do you start Harvey game one? And, and DeGrom got the nod. And I think through that series, that was kind of where he cemented himself. And I think just kind of talking about him coming up, some of the things that stood out to me. I remember that 2014 season was a sneaky, fun one to watch. I was actually my first year in college. So I had the, the, you know, the at-bat package. So I was able to watch all the games in my dorm room. A really boring summer, actually, where I was at. And so it was great to watch the Mets that year. And DeGrom that season, you're, like you said, he comes up at the same time as Montero. Everyone's talking about Montero. 
DeGrom might be out of the bullpen. Somebody gets hurt or whatever. He gets the start, never looks back. I also remember he got off to a really start hitting that year. And I remember there was a weird push for him to start at shortstop. Do you remember that at all? From I the kind fans? of do. I kind of do. Now, now I thought, was it that year where like the Mets couldn't get a hit, like pitchers couldn't get a hit and he got the first or maybe I'm, maybe I'm mixing this up. But, yeah, no, you're, you're right. I mean, it made sense being a former college shortstop. I briefly remember the fact that, the, and I don't know if it was a joke or there was a real rumor that, 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 or a real kind of rumbling that he should start at shortstop. That may not have been a bad idea. Yeah, I was, I was probably uh, a little ahead of myself that I was, I was definitely calling for it, having no idea that it probably wouldn't have actually worked out to see Jacob DeGrom jump the line in front of guys like Shohei Otani and some of the others who have tried this two-way thing. <laughs> But yeah, I remember. I think the Mets shortstops were terrible that season. I, I don't. I, I don't remember what was going on with Tejada and Flores or who was actually starting. But I just remember that the shortstop position was just like a second pitcher spot. And there was some talk. Hey, you know, he's really athletic. Throw him out shortstop for some games. See what happens. It's crazy. I'm glad they. I'm glad he stuck to pitcher. Or they kept him a pitcher. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure. So let's kind of close here. Talk a little bit about the current team and some of your thoughts heading into opening day. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? Is it Lindor? Is it overall just seeing what this rotation is going to look like? Where is your head at as we get close to opening day? Uh, my uh, feelings, uh, my, my uh, you know, joyous feelings of this team kind of revolve in a lot of different areas. I mean, Francisco Lindor, without question, is kind of the guy I'm focusing on the most as far as who I'm excited to see. I mean, I've been excited to see him as everyone has been uh, so far in spring training. Um, he's just electric. I guess, I guess I will say I'm excited to see his new contract, yeah. <laughs> him signing it. Um, I fully expect that to happen and, you know, it could happen before we, before this comes out. Uh, so hopefully I am saying this and it has already happened. Maybe I'm putting this out into the, uh, into the universe. But I'm excited to see what Francisco Lindor can do, uh, not just him, but like Jacob DeGrom, the influence he can have on the other players, because I think the joy that he brings really can can filter to, to the rest of the team. Same goes with Dominic Smith. I'm excited to see uh, Dominic Smith play every day in a full season um, because for 60 games, he was he was wonderful. And that was such that was the uh, to me, the just the the greatest revelation. His Cespedes is leaving uh, was you know, a blessing in disguise when it came to Dominic Smith and seeing what he could do. Because I think some players, um, they, if you don't play him every day, they, it's hard for them to get in a rhythm. And I think Dominic Smith is one of those that needs, needs to get into a rhythm. Uh, hopefully his wrist is okay. Um, but it's going to be fun to see him play every day. Cause I, I just get a thrill out of watching him and he's, he's just one of my favorites uh, on the team. The same goes uh, for Pete Alonso. He's had, I don't put a whole lot of stock in the spring. That being said, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I feel like he will, you know, even though that last year was terrible. I mean, he was on pace for like 40 home runs, you know, say what you want about being on pace for something in a 60 game season, but it seemed like he was chasing way too much. He was trying to hit too many home runs. And I, I remember saying this before 2020 that I would prefer if Pete Alonso didn't hit as many home runs and just became a better overall hitter. Uh, and my hope is that he does that this year. Um, so I've really, I really enjoyed um, watching him so far. I'm sure everyone else has. And yeah, the rotation uh, and seeing how it comes together. I'm interested in who the number five starter is. Um, I, 
lean toward Peterson, although Lucchesi has pitched pretty well uh, in the spring. Um, you know, just the your basic, you know, watching Jacob Vergon pick pitch uh, every fifth day. Marcus Stroman, having not not getting to see him in uh, 2020, uh, I'm excited for what he can bring, and I I love his energy. Um, so he's one of the guys like Dominic Smith, who I'm really rooting for to have a big year. Um, so a lot of different things and just kind of the overall feel of this team uh, with, you know, Steve Cohen is the owner, you know, how the, the, I guess the stench of the wool puns <laughs> really, although you have Fred Wolpun kind of there, um, which I don't mind uh, in a sense, he's kind of like, you know, uh, some kind of an emeritus role, but just the kind of this, the breath of fresh air that this new you know, regime brings. I'm, I'm really excited for it. Me too. And so what I want to do, and I know I said the final question, but I got one more for you. It just came to mind here. Let's do a little prediction. What do we got? Opening day score. Oh, opening day score. Oh, against the Nats. I would love it to be like 20 to nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it's Jacob DeGrom. So you know, <laughs> maybe he'll score like two runs. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be a, a, a offensive explosion. Let's see. Okay. In all seriousness, I'm going to say the Mets win three to two. I was going to say gets, and DeGrom gets the win. There you go. That's a big part of that. Yeah. I was going to say three to one. So we're on the same page. Let everyone know, obviously you write for us or Mets Marize, but where else can people find your work and also talk about your books, plug those where people can find those books. Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at BrianWright86. Uh, as far as my books, uh, I have uh, uh, the most recent of which is New York Mets All-Time All-Stars, which came out about a year ago, and also Mets in Tens, which is just a series of different top 10 lists, including opening days. Uh, if you're interested, you can get it at any online bookseller, uh, independent online bookseller, uh, or if you want a signed copy, you can reach out to me uh, through my Twitter, as I said, at BrianWright86, and I'm happy to send you a signed copy. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks so much, Ryan. It's great to be on again. That's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. I hope you all enjoy opening day. As always, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein. Ryan, follow the show at Locked on Mets. And there, up until first pitch, you can still enter for a chance to win a signed photo of Luis Guillorme. So make sure you check that out. Also, if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. And that is Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton. It is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. So follow Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.